Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Colorado. What's up, everybody? How are you? Boy, what a week for the city, huh? Oh, my goodness. What is going on with the Rockies? I, I shouldn't even bring it up. I really shouldn't. I know that's a tough thing to think about. What is going on with baseball in the Mile High City? I'm not going to dwell on it too much because I'm sure it hurts quite a bit. So we'll just go ahead and let that one go and move on to bigger and better things. Who you got in the Super Bowl on Sunday? Let me know. You got the Chiefs? You got the Bucks? Do you not even care? Well, whatever you have to say, just let me know. Hit me up on Twitter. You know how it goes. And on that note, let's go ahead and get things started. Welcome to the Believe in Avalanche podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network. I am Eric Pesolano, welcoming you into episode number four. Avs with a real strong week last week, taking three out of four games, losing one in overtime, collecting seven of eight points in the last four games. You got to be happy with that. With everything that went down between the last game and today, at the time we're recording this anyway, who knows what could happen between now and when you listen to this. So much going on. On the ice, off the ice. Boy, it's just been a roller coaster of a season already. But the boys are in first place, tied for first place in points anyway, with the Blues. Of course, the Blues having to postpone one of their games so far. It was against Vegas when the Knights had a COVID outbreak on the team. So they have the points percentage lead right now. So they have the top of the West. But the two teams are going to meet each other this week on Saturday and Sunday. A couple of matinee games at 1 p.m. on Saturday and Sunday. So he'll be able to sneak in that Sunday game just before kickoff down in Tampa. So we take a look at this last week, and you know, your, your hopes are high. You got the Sharks for two. You got the Wild for two. Two teams who are, yeah, you feel pretty good going in against. They take care of business the first two games. Second two games, the injury bug starts to come in a little bit worse. And they did get three out of four going to St. Paul, so you can't be too upset about that. We're going to recap the games and dive a little bit deeper here. In just a little bit, but overall, it's a good week. It's a good week if we're talking about trying to get points in the standings in that Honda NHL West division. It was a bad week if we're talking about guys getting hurt, and we're going to talk a little bit about that later on. AJ Hayfley from the DNVR Avalanche podcast is going to join me a little bit later. We'll dig a little deeper into the season, looking at the roster, talking about the newcomers. 
But most importantly, those injuries that are really starting to pile up and the issues that Jared Bednar is going to have to deal with now going forward. But we'll save that for a little bit later. Let's get into the game recaps for this week. We're going to rewind you all the way back to last Tuesday when the Avalanche hosted the San Jose Sharks. That one wasn't close from start to finish. Yes, I know San Jose scored first in that first game, but did it Did it really much matter? Nah, it didn't. Because Brandon Saad was able to get one late in the period. The Avs came charging back with a Jonas Donskoy goal, a Brandon Saad goal, and then a Miko Rantanen power play goal to take that 3-1 lead headed to that first intermission. And it starts feeling a little bit like that Blues game when they won 8-0. Yes, San Jose scored first, but they were able to come back get themselves and their sea legs underneath them, and keep rolling. And boy, did they ever keep rolling, because Valerie Nichushkin had a takeaway there in that second period. He was able to score after the Avalanche killed off a power play, which, by the way, this team in a string of power play kills, something that you haven't seen out of them in quite some time. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. But that goal by Nichushkin on the penalty kill, first shorthanded goal of the year for the Avs. They let it 4-1 to one. from then on out. Gerard. You're looking at 5-1 at this point. Noah Gregor got one to go for San Jose. He was able to bang one home in front. The defense in front of the net was playing very well through most of last week, the week before last. They softened up a little bit this week. The good news was, again, the points they were able to pick up in the standings, but you want to see them get a little bit more physical in front of the net because most of these teams are knocking them around. I think I sent out a tweet during one of the games this week when I said, hey, you know, Minnesota, it was in one of the Minnesota games where they were just knocking them around. They were leading the hit totals 2 or 3 to 1 ratio-wise. And the Avs just kind of skated around and said, yeah, go ahead. You can keep hitting us all you want. It really doesn't make a difference because we're still going to knock you around and on the scoreboard. And that's pretty much what happened, at least in that first game against Minnesota. So we go to the end of the second period, going back to Tuesday. Avs lead 7-2. They didn't score in the third. Logan Couture got one in the middle of that period. Lots of power plays. And this is this is one thing that's going to be a theme throughout today's show, that I'm going to talk about the power plays and the penalties that are being taken by this team. It's got to stop. Way too many times they're taking penalties that are unnecessary, and it's going to get them in trouble going forward. So that's one thing they really got to figure out going going ahead in time. One thing that makes me nervous. That's, that's probably one thing that makes me nervous. All right, so the Avs win 7-3. They take down San Jose. Outshoot them 42-30. to They were out hit in that one. Face-offs were pretty close, but on the power play, Avs 1 for 5. Got to short things up on that man advantage. Motion McNabb talked about it on the broadcast on Altitude that the 5 power play goal game against St. Louis has really skewed the power play numbers a little bit. You take that game out, and now you're looking at not a great statistic as far as the entire season is concerned, so... Got to short things up on the power play. All right, three stars of the game for me after that win over San Jose. Kel McCarr, three assists in that one. He's the number one star. Brandon Saad had a couple of goals, of course. Got to give it to him. And I gave Nachushkin a third star for having an assist and that shorthanded goal. When you get shorthanded goals, boy, those are fire starters that you don't see too often, but it gets the guys going. When you're down a man and somebody on your team steps up and says, hey, I got this, just because we're down a guy, doesn't mean we can't score right now and he goes and takes the reins like that, you're going to get fired up, and you're going to go forward and have a great night. And that's exactly what happened there. So we move on to the second contest against the Sharks. Scoreless first period. About as well a period as you're going to see played between two teams in the National Hockey League. Great defense, great puck movement offensively, great goaltending. 
kept it up for two periods. As a matter of fact, a couple of penalties taken, of course. It was a 4-on-4 at one point after the Sharks took a penalty on their power play. But, boy, their power play is struggling. After Gambrell took that uh, tripping call against Girard to make it 4-on-4, it put the Sharks at 0 for their last 14 on the power play. So they've got... Well, you think the Avs might have some power play issues? San Jose's even worse. Then they failed on a couple of more power plays that period. So we end the first scoreless. We end the second scoreless. Not a lot of offensive activity, but as far as the game was concerned, again, very well played. The hits in that period made the total 13-11. to 11. Sharks had a couple of more. Physicality was there. These two teams are just two years removed from playing in a Western Conference Final. There's a lot of familiar faces between the two sides. A lot of new faces to the rivalry. Yes, I'm calling it a rivalry. They had some battles back when the Avalanche were winning cups. Sharks more recently have been the better of the two squads, of course, having gone to a Stanley Cup final within the last few years. But when they get on the ice against each other, you know it's going to be a battle. Then the third period is when it all kind of unraveled for San Jose. Nazem Kadri cleaned one up in front of the net. Mess of bodies, too, laying in the crease. He was able to bury it from that backside spot. Jonas Donskoy found him. Brandon Saad with a helper on that as well. Burakovsky added a goal. A minute 58 later, that made it 2-0. San Jose gets a power play for a high stick on Devon Taves. And this is the point where you think, you kill this off, you're probably going to win this game because you don't want to let him back in, but a two-goal cushion seems like it's enough the way the game had been going. Sure enough, they kill it off. 17 straight power plays without a goal for the Sharks, and then Nazem Kadri gets his second after Kel McCarr launched one on net. McKinnon got a helper on that one as well. Avs win 3-0 and they pick up their first season series sweep of the year. We're talking baseball terms here. They beat the Sharks on two straight nights after splitting every other series so far this season. Three stars for this one. Number three star, Burakovsky for that goal. Saad had a couple of assists. Nazem Kadri, my number one star, two goals and an assist in that one. He's got to get a ton of the glory after the way they played in that one. 13th career shutout for Phil Grubauer. He gets an honorable mention. Although he didn't have a ton of work, only stopped 21 shots. A lot of them, though, were very acrobatic and were very, very necessary. So abs sweep the Sharks. We move ahead to St. Paul when they take on the Wild for the first time this year. First couple of minutes started off very much the same as the way the Avs have recently, just coming out and blitzing Minnesota. And Logan O'Connor, who has been our hero this last week, comes out, scores a goal. Uh, the one that actually looked like it was going to go wide bounces off of Kakinen's stick after he dropped at the Minnesota goaltender and redirects into the net. Sometimes you need a little puck luck to win some games. They get it there. Gerard McCarr get the assists. Colorado in that first period just would not stop on the forecheck, something you love to see out of the gate. Early leads a lot of the times in this league are very important. Sets the tone, kind of lets the other team know you ain't messing around. Great to get a goal in the first period. Look, I, it sounds very, very cliche. I get it. Oh yeah, Eric, you know, whoever scores... The most goals wins. Yeah, uh, uh, ha, ha, ha. yeah, I get it. But it's a tone setter. It's so much more than just scoring a goal. It's a tone setter right out of the gate. And then what happens, Minnesota comes right back and, and scores the game-tying goal, which we've seen a couple times now, the Avs, letting that first goal go away in the first period and getting the game back to even. But they didn't look back from that. They didn't let that sway the way they were playing. It didn't dictate the pace of play. They didn't never really let Minnesota control the pace of play. A couple spurts here and there, but really the rest of the time, it was all Colorado. At this time, after Dumba scored that goal, it dropped Grubauer's goals against average just a little bit, just under, uh, right around 1.9. At that point, 
Phil Grubauer has the second lowest goals against average in all of the National Hockey League. And you can't say enough about the way he's played this year. You know, in the postseason in years past, not so much when he was in Washington, or maybe a little bit at the end of his time in Washington, but when he was first in Colorado in the postseason, a lot of talk about this this can't be the guy. He ain't going to be the guy that takes us to the promised land. I tell you what, if he keeps playing like this, he will be. Whether or not you like to say it or want to admit it, if he keeps this up, he will be. By the way, who's number one? Who has the lowest goals against average? Y'all are going to laugh at this. You're going to think it's hilarious. How about the other former Capitals goaltender who donned the burgundy and blue in Denver? Semyon Varlamov, the Islanders, 1.82 at that moment in time. Funny how life works sometimes, doesn't it? So not too long after that goal was scored to make it 1-1, that's when Eric Johnson left the game uh, after being hit by Jordan Greenway, hit his face on the ice. Of course, it looked really bad. Didn't look as bad live. They show the replay a few times. Of course, it, it didn't look great. He left the ice. He has not been back since. Hopefully, he will be back soon. Hopefully, he's able to, to get out there and skate around by the time you listen to this podcast. So, already an injury on defense, and that's when things... That, that was the first sign that, okay, puck luck has been fine. The injury bug hasn't, hasn't been so much lucky for us. So, there goes one. A couple of chances... For the Avs in front of Kakinen, couldn't really beat him. Grubauer had a couple of great saves. The two goaltenders started picking it up, just like we saw Phil have to do against the Sharks in that second game of that series. It was around this time, too, that the Wild really started picking up their physical play. You saw the hits coming a lot more often. But Logan O'Connor, when we say he was the savior this past week, this he, every shift he was out there, he was playing it like it was his last. He was hustling every single time he touched his skates to the ice and of course that second line boy do they they come to work nowadays as Jonas Donskoy got a goal on the power play near the end of that first period to make it two to one so they leave the first 20 minutes with a lead more importantly than anything the way they ended the period last few years notorious for giving up a goal in the last minute or two had to shore that up when you see them play the final few minutes of a period like this you know it's going to be a good night, especially if they do it for the other two periods. So we move on to the second frame. Eric Johnson doesn't come back. few great chances out front for the Az. They couldn't quite bury it, but then Miko Rantanen finally got his chance, and he was able to pick one up just over the shoulder of Kakinen. And at this point, Miko, how about this? First player in Avalanche history to score a goal in each of the team's first five road games. And the best part about that goal was behind the net. If you remember it, you'll see Nathan McKinnon skating back behind the net, just trying to get back into position. Saw that shot coming. That boy ducked like his life depended on it. Boy, if that thing missed the net, he'd have been in trouble. Oh my goodness. So he did the right thing, preserving the moneymaker, right? He had to get out of the way of that just in case. Both teams exchanged a couple of power plays. Neither team can really generate anything. At least on the man advantage. Later on, both teams had a couple of couple of chances, but not much doing. And then there was that big hit that Byram put on Bukestad when he tried to come in and steamroll the young kid. And he just stood him up. And, and the best part about that play for me was watching Byram lift his head up, survey the ice before he got anywhere near the puck to know what he was going to do with the puck first as Bukestad was bearing down on him. He knew where to send it to get out of the way and then shore his body up and brace for a hit. It turns out 
It was a reverse hit because he turned around and laid the lumber on Bugstad himself. That is a veteran move. You don't see that a lot from guys who've been in the league 10 years. This kid's been in the league for a couple of weeks. And this is what he's doing out on the ice. Lot to be excited about. Going to be harping on him all year long. We love him. So we get through that second period. It's 3-1. to one. Avs have the lead. Brandon Saad gets a goal. JT Comfer finally breaking through after a great pass from Burakovsky on the backside. On the power play too. So the power play picked it up in this particular contest. 2 of 7 on the man advantage for the Avs. They win it 5-1. to one. And even though it was 2 of 7 on the power play, more like 2 of 6.5 because one of their power plays only lasted for that final minute of regulation. Three stars here after the third game of the week. Number three, Brandon Saad for a third time in three games gets put into my three stars. A goal and assist for him. Nathan McKinnon, couple of helpers. Miko Rantanen, your number one star of the game with a goal and an assist. And you have to give Logan O'Connor honorable mentions. There's a lot of times I just, I really don't like when the media just looks at statistics and hands out stars. I know most of the time you have to because that's what swayed the game. Can we just give a guy like Logan O'Connor a star? Give him a third star, even though he didn't have a goal or an assist, because it's those role players who move around without the puck, who don't touch it a ton. When they do, they make a little noise. They may not score, but they're there to help everybody else out. The guys who don't show up on the score sheet... Give him a little love every now and again. Please. I say that as I don't give him a star. Oh well, sometimes life's not fair. Let's move on to the final game of last week. The last one in St. Paul, which of course is going to be remembered. And as the freshest in our memory, of course it was the last one last week. Not the freshest just because it was the most recent, but because of everything that happened. Hunter Mishka gets his second career start. And this one, of course, he lost earlier in the year in the game against the LA Kings. So he tries to redeem himself a little bit here. Looking good early on again, Donskoy. What a pass from McKinnon to him on this one. He's able to finish it off. Cappy gets an assist too. At this point, Nathan McKinnon, how about this? 11 assists on the year, just two goals. You wonder, when's he going to start scoring goals? Does it matter? If he's getting in the assist category and he's helping everybody else out, making them better... Don't worry about it. Let him finish things off. Let him be the guy to set everybody else up. Not that big of a deal. If he's not the one finishing the playoff, hey, at least somebody else is. And that's all you need to know about that. Cam Talbot in net for Minnesota. I thought he was great in this game. And he's just another in a long line of goaltenders this year who have made some acrobatic and ridiculous saves on the avalanche. First line, second line. Anytime the net you think is wide open... Nope. Those guys who've been in the league for a few years now are figuring out. Do whatever you got to do to scramble back in position because those are the times they're going to kill you. They move the puck well in the offensive zone and they've got some rifles on that team and they don't miss a lot of the time. First week or so of the season, a lot of shots were off target. We know that. They've seemed to have corrected it. A lot more are on target. They're also hitting posts a lot more, which is flippin' infuriating. Oh my goodness. Can we like put in a... I know the NHL is all about the offense and trying to get more goals because that's what excites the fans. But my goodness, if you're clanging them off the post, can we just shave a half inch or so off of those things? That'd be nice. That ain't going to happen, but it'd be nice. Avs get an early power play after they score that first goal. Can't do anything. And for a second straight game, give up the game-tying goal. Jordan Greenway able to grab a rebound out front, which Hunter Miska, this is the one thing people are going to talk about a lot with him here early on. You can see it. He gives up a lot of rebounds. 
and a lot of those big juicy ones you find right in front of the net. As the game progressed, he was still giving up rebounds. He was pushing them off to the side a little bit better. Still not great. I guess you take what you can get with a kid. Uh, he's he's going to learn to get better. He's not there now, but he's being forced into action. So we'll see what he does as the season goes on. If he gets more opportunities, we'll see how Francois is when he gets back from injury. So you get to the end of the first period, tied at one. One of the rare first periods this year that has seen a tie score between the Avalanche and the opponent going into the middle frame. But uh, Minnesota had a power play there at the end of that first period and did not score. Avs killed it off. 20th consecutive penalty kill for the Avs, who have the best penalty kill in all of the National Hockey League at this point. How about that? This defense is leaps and bounds ahead of where it was even two, three seasons ago. Boy, give Joe Sackick some credit, huh? Put some respect on his name. So you get ready to start the second period. I thought this graphic was interesting. They put up on the broadcast on Altitude that since the start of the 2019-2020 season, the Avalanche have a plus 47 goal differential overall in all games played, which was 20 more than the next closest team. And that is the reigning Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning. They're scoring a lot. They're scoring in bunches. You got to spread it out a little bit, though. You can win 8 nothing one night. You just got to make sure you don't lose 3-2 the next night. Because while that still goes down in the books as plus 7, you're only 1-1. Clean it up, boys. Minnesota comes out with a goal in the second period. They make it 2-1, and then for a while, a lot of back and forth. Wild started picking it up. They were really flying around out there, getting their getting their hits in. And it was around this point in time you could see the the second game of back-to-back nights really starting to take their toll on the Avalanche. And they really needed to start shifting a little bit quicker, making the shorter shifts. They didn't necessarily do that as much. But you could tell it was definitely taking its toll. And then Kale McCarr, oh my goodness, have you seen a defenseman with hands like this? I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm sure we have this. Plenty of guys we can talk about over the history of the league who've got hands like this, but boy, at his age, watching him stick handle in a phone booth through traffic before he rips one by Talbot, that's special, folks. That is absolutely special. McKinnon gets another assist, his 12th of the year. Gerard gets the secondary helper as well. Now it's 2-2. Avs, you know, they start tilting that seesaw a little bit back into their favor. Saad almost had a backhander that went in not too long after Kale's goal, but he just... Miss the net. And then Bo gets called for a tripping call on Kaprizov, which I believe, if I recall, I stood up off the couch and started yelling at the gentlemen in stripes who do such a fine job night in and night out. It was ticky-tack. I'm not even going to hold back on that one. It was a little much. Yes, the stick got around to the front. Did he actually trip him? Looked like Kaprizov stepped on the blade of the stick. You can argue that's tripping. You can argue by letter of the law that that's a penalty. But come on, can we get into spirit of the rule a little bit? And for my friends who are tuning in and listening to this, who know that all I do is argue about letter of the law, when it doesn't benefit your own team, you get even more upset about it. There's an exception to every rule, right? I I can let that one go. But penalty nonetheless. And what else is new? Minnesota does not score because the avalanche penalty kill has been absolutely tremendous. Avs go on the power play. Landeskog gets tripped by Bonino. Only got one chance. It was a good one. Miko Rantanen couldn't get his stick down to quite... Get good traction on the puck. He fires right over the top of it, as a matter of fact. And they do not score on the power play. So we end the first two frames tied at two. End of the third period, we go. 
you see the line start to shuffle up, and this is where things potentially change for this team over the next few weeks. You watch the TV broadcast. Moj mentions it on the air. Scanning the bench. There is no 29 to be found anywhere on the pine. Not on the ice. Not on the bench. Where the heck is Nathan McKinnon? We still don't know. At least at the time that I'm talking to you, we don't know. What we do know is there are reports going around out there saying that it doesn't look like it's serious and he might only be out for a week or two. That's a long time and only a 56-game regular season. But thank goodness it's not anything more significant than that. And hopefully he's right back at it as soon as possible. Because, boy, what a blow that would be. So Nate's out. We know EJ's out. Belmar's out. Taves is out. By the way, good news on Taves. MRA came back on that lower body injury. Doesn't look too bad. Probably going to be out a week, a week and a half. So we're okay there. Everything's starting to stack up for this team. So even with all that, and with Cam Talbot being absolutely on fire, by the way, Brandon Saad on a backside wrister from Kadri puts it home. Avs take a lead, 3-2. to two. Nazem Kadri, 400th career NHL point on that pass to Brandon Saad. And there's that second line again. Boy, are they going to work. And yet another milestone for this team hit this season. And we're just getting started. It's only game 10. Still another 46 to go in the regular season. Avs go on the power play. They get nothing going. Logan O'Connor shows up again doing Logan O'Connor things. But then defensively, the Avs they can't clear the puck from in front of the net. They kind of fall asleep a little bit. And Victor Rask comes in. And off a block shot by Kaprizov. Fires it through traffic and ties the game up at two. His second of the game. And that's all there was for regulation. A couple of chances both ways going the rest of the way. Actually, the Wild did have a power play after Bo was called for another hooking call. That was the one right after Zach Parise tackled Hunter Miska in the net, in the crease. And uh, there, there was no call, but, you know, whatever. That's how it goes. Anyway, Wild don't score on the power play. Avs currently have not allowed a power play goal in 22 straight kills. How about that? Oh, that might be my favorite stat of the entire week. 22 consecutive power plays, no goals for Avalanche opponents. Keep that going. So the Avs pick up a point in the standings in every game in this past week since we last talked to you on Tuesday. And we head to overtime, which lasted quicker than I could get up and go refill my drink before I sat back down on the couch. 18 seconds in, Brodeen from Greenway on that one-timer. Miska, no real chance, all by himself. I don't know what any of the guys on the ice were doing. It is probably a lot of fatigue after the back-to-backs, but everybody fell asleep. Brodeen with a gimme. And Minnesota wins at 4-3. Avalanche lose in overtime for the first time this season. Remember, they beat Anaheim a week and a half ago in the extra period. So they finish the week 3-0-1 and now sit at 6-3-1 so far this year in the standings. They are tied in points atop the West, as I mentioned earlier, with St. Louis. But the Blues have played one less game. So they hold the points percentage tiebreaker at current time. Oh boy, what a week. That was a lot. I gotta take a breath for a second. And actually, I'm gonna do a little bit less talking over the course of the next few minutes because we're gonna break down this team even further. Let's go ahead and take a deeper look 
into the Avalanche this week. And so excited joining us from the DNVR Avalanche podcast. It's AJ Hayfley. AJ, thanks so much for being here, man. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. All right. So obviously the big news this week, we can talk about how the team went 3-0-1 over the last week or so since we had our last episode last Tuesday. But we got to focus on the injuries, of course, and the big news today uh, with Nathan McKinnon. Looks like he might be out a couple of weeks. Uh, from your perspective, what does this mean for the team going forward for the next few weeks? Um, survival, really. I mean, if to be honest with you, you lose Nathan McKinnon. If you go 500, you feel good about yourself. Uh, you don't really give up too much ground at that point. Um two weeks if it's if it really is and it, if it really does end up being two weeks and it's it get, it gets them it gets him back right about the time they start their set against vegas and that's going to be a really important four game set in the middle of the month um two teams that you think are vying for probably the, the top of the division um if if they could just get by i mean two more against minnesota you know, you should they should they should still be pretty competitive against the wild. And then two games in St. Louis without Mac is really gonna be a challenge. That's that's an uphill battle. And then uh they've got a couple of games against Arizona and that they should be fine in. So uh I would say if they could split the St. Louis series and then win the other ones, they'd be ecstatic. Yeah, you take a look at, at him being out. And then, of course, the other injuries that the team is starting to stack up here over the first few weeks of the season with Eric Johnson. You know, how much is that going to hinder him going forward and, and Belmar being out? And then, of course, we see on Instagram earlier today at the time we're recording this that Jonas Donskoy walking around his house with a face shield on because somebody on the wild may or may not have tested positive and then Taves is out. And, I, I mean, if you're Jared Bednar do you think that in a normal year this might have been more devastating had it not been for the taxi squad i would say probably because they wouldn't have had the freedom to move around and play guys like timmons and byram the way that they have they might have had a more conservative approach to that uh because the taxi squad has been available to them they've they've been more comfortable moving guys in and out so now that injuries have popped up I think they, they have a good idea of who they want in and who they are going to maybe wait a little longer to put back in the lineup. So in your, your view going forward, do you think this is, you know, in a weird roundabout way, a positive for the team that everybody else is going to get some playing time here as the season progresses over the next couple of weeks so they can be ready possibly by the end of the season? It, it depends. It depends on who steps up and who who shows out and and at what level they perform um you know we've seen you know at the, at the time we're doing this logan o'connor's played two games but he's played really well in those two games if he disappears for the next five games it kind of undoes that you know um then you're not feeling very good about having him in the lineup anymore but you if he keeps if he keeps it up, if he finds a rhythm, if that if if the depth guys can find a way to chip in consistently, because they're gonna all have to do it together now. They can't they can't just lean on the stars anymore. It could be it could be a good thing. I don't I I mean it's it's good relative, right? Uh, because it good compared to how they normally would be. No, 
<laughs> you know, because normally they would have Devontae and they would have Nathan McKinnon and they'd be rocking and rolling. I personally don't think that they're going to miss the depth guys at the forward position all that much. Um, they have they haven't really done much this year, so I don't think that there's a lot for them to miss. I do think it's a concern um, that they're already into the bag of tricks and that they're already having to figure out who can play and who can't. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point, and I mean, I I like that it's happening earlier in the season rather than in the back end. And I, of course, we got a long way to go, but we'll see how it all turns out. What is your view on on the newcomers to the team this year, be it the rookies or? or be it the acquisitions and their impact on the club so far this season? Well, you have to like what Devontae was doing before the injury. Um, he really solidified that defense. And then Byram's ascension as quickly as it has been, you know, through seven games that he's played, he's been great. Uh, you'd like to probably see a touch more production, you know, another point or two, you'd probably be feeling a lot better about it, but not all these guys can score all the points. There's only so many pucks to go around. Saad, obviously, he did not look any good. He didn't, he wasn't skating well. He wasn't gelling. He didn't know where to be. He and Kadri looked like they were on, like, not even on the same planet with each other. They had no concept of chemistry. Uh, and then things clicked. And now that line is rolling. And Brandon Saad looks just like he did in Chicago. Oh, you perfectly segued me into that next question I had about that second line on the offense. You know, like you said, for first week or so, nothing doing. Kind of coach had to sit him down and, and have a word, and now things have kind of sprouted back to where we'd hoped they'd be at. Uh, how do you see them, or I guess I should ask, do you see them keeping this up over the course of the next 50 games or so? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Saad with, with seven points in three games, like there will be hot streaks like that. There will be cold streaks like one point in five games. It's just how it goes when you're talking about guys who are not the best of the best. Um, the the What they can do, though, is that they can score in bunches and that they their fingerprints, that second line's fingerprints are all over the lineup because there's a couple, you know, Kadri's on the top power play unit, Sad and Burakovsky are on the second power play unit, both of which have been solid so far this year. Even strength, you know, they provide a perfect complement to the top line and what they can do. Uh, I think, I, I mean, on paper, it looked great coming into the season. In practice, it's worked just fine. Uh, I really think this is just the beginning for these guys that they'll be, they'll be dangerous. I mean, the, when they, when they brought all these guys in and put them all together, it made sense because it was, these are guys who are, these are longtime veterans of the NHL. You know, even Andre Burakovsky, a guy that we think of as young, is in his seventh season, I think. So, you know, it's, it's his seventh or eighth year in the league. Like, the guy's been around now. These guys are all veterans. They understand what it takes to win. Uh, all of them have won at a pretty high level. Kadri, obviously, with the Toronto thing, hadn't done a whole lot in the postseason in his career. Uh, but the other guys have won cups. They they know what it's like day in and day out to be successful in the league. Now they have each other to, to, to lean on. I'm, I'm not worried about it at all. I think that they will be just fine. Such an invaluable piece to have guys on the team who have hoisted Lord Stanley's Cup before to tell the other guys and show them, hey, you want this? This is what you have to do. 
Yeah. This week coming up, two against Minnesota, two against St. Louis. It's kind of the second time through the lineup coming up this week. How do you see this week shaping up? Well, um, you know, with no McKinnon and no Taves, it's a lot tougher. Uh, the back-to-back in St. Louis, there's a pretty good chance that it's Hunter Miska or Adam Warner against Billy Huso. And what happens in front of them may not matter. But that game could be decided by whichever goalie survived that day. That's that's their best chance, I think, to come out with the W in St. Louis because those are both they're both afternoon games. It's back to back Saturday, Sunday. A very weird road trip for them uh, to a place that they are awful. <laughs> they do not win games in St. Louis. So I don't feel I don't feel any kind of optimism there. I would be tempted to play Philip Grubauer in both of them just to try and s- steal some points and try and survive. If they if they play Billy Huso, I would definitely try and play Grubauer both games to uh, give them as best a chance as they can to try and get some points out of that trip. Uh, but I feel pretty good about the, the the Minnesota series. Minnesota's equally banged up. Kevin Fiala suspended and Marcus Johansson and uh, Matt Dumba. These guys are all hurt. So they've got Colorado-type injuries without Colorado-type depth. So I feel like the Avs should... If they split at home without McKinnon, it's acceptable. You don't love it, but it's acceptable. If they could get out of there with two wins and they go 3-0-1 in that four-game set, you're feeling amazing to have pulled seven of eight points. Yeah, which will be a duplication of what we saw last week. Can't can't complain too much about that. I love the positivity. Hopefully they can overcome all the roadblocks that are headed their way here over the next uh, seven days or so. AJ Hayfley from the DNVR Avalanche podcast joining us here today on Believe in Avalanche. AJ, thanks so much for, for joining me, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. You can listen to the DNVR podcast on DNVR Sports. You can head to YouTube as well to listen to the show. You can also check out the DNVR.com for all the news surrounding your favorite team's in the Denver area. And again, my thanks to AJ for joining us here on the show. A lot of good points to take away from what AJ was talking about. How do you feel after the injuries and everything going forward this week? You feel fortunate to play Minnesota for the next two. We'll see how they show out. But then, of course, they have to go to St. Louis, a place they haven't traditionally played well. So if they can steal some points there, you got to chalk it up as a victory. We'll see what they do. So great insight once again from AJ Hayfley. You're listening to the Believe in Avalanche podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network. I am Eric Pesolano, as always, with you here as we are in episode four of this new venture. Let's take a look now at Know Your Foe. For the first time this season, we're going to see a couple teams that we've already seen one time before, second time through the lineup for the Avalanche against the Minnesota Wild and the St. Louis Blues. Of course, the next two games against Minnesota, a continuation of the two games they played over the weekend. So really, it's it's more like one giant four-game series. But when you look at the season, two-game series seem to be the norm. So we're just going to call them back-to-back twos because my show is on Tuesday and it's just easier to break it up that way. So this is the second two-game series against the Wild. And it's in a different building, too. It's back at home. They're back at Ball Arena. So basically, it is a different series. Uh, We already know about the players on the team and who to look out for. So let's just do more of keys to the games against these two teams. The the first thing, the Avalanche, they've got to stay out of the penalty box. You don't want to give the other team a ton of opportunities. Your penalty kill unit is absolutely on fire right now. Again, 22 consecutive penalties killed off. 
but you don't want to give him the extra advantage, especially because your power play isn't doing that well right now. Last couple games against the Wild Abs, just 2 out of 11 on the man advantage. That has to get better over the next two nights in Denver. So we'll see what they can do against the Wild. As remember, once these two games are done, you're halfway through the season series with Minnesota. Again, two more out in St. Paul, two more in Denver when they meet for their last four contests. Last two games of this week will be Saturday, Sunday for a second consecutive week. They're going to play at 1 o'clock Mountain Time. Of course, they're going to get the game Sunday over just in time for kickoff of Super Bowl 55 for you. Of course, a little bit of strategy there, scheduling for the NHL. The other sports leagues, no, they just can't compete with the NFL. Play the games early, get them out of the way so everybody can watch the big game on Sunday. It's been a minute since we've seen the Blues. They are 5-1-1 and since they last played against Colorado to open the season. They split with the Sharks and the Kings. Beat the Knights in the only game they played. That one went to a shootout. The second one was postponed due to positive coronavirus tests on the Knights. Blues moved on to play the Anaheim Ducks out in Southern California. Took care of them pretty handily. Ducks have just fallen off a cliff since the last time we saw them against the Avalanche. They've got a long way to go. And as we mentioned, first place for the Blues by points percentage at this point in time. So those two games over the weekend are going to be very, very important. And again, same with the Blues. Once those four games are done, halfway through the year against St. Louis with two more to go at Enterprise Center and two at Ball Arena. So that was No Year Foe as the Avalanche take on the Wild and Blues this upcoming week here in two different venues. So they get to travel a little bit this week as well. Before we let you go, I always like to end things on a lighter note, right? I've gotten out all my grievances for the week after watching the team. Well, they let one get away there at the end of the week against Minnesota, plus having to deal with all these injuries. It's been a rough emotional week for fans of the Colorado Avalanche, yours truly included. So we like to end things on a lighter note. Perhaps you saw this one, perhaps you didn't. On Saturday night, the Tampa Bay Lightning took on the Nashville Predators and why would I bring this game up? Well, a 22-year-old defenseman for the Tampa Bay Lightning named Callan Foote scored his first career NHL goal. And if that last name rings a bell, well, first of all, if it doesn't, it had better. Second of all, if it rings a bell, he is the son of Adam Foote, who played most of his 20-year NHL career with the Avalanche. Had a couple of years with Columbus near the end there after the uh, lockout. He ended up signing with the Blue Jackets for yeah, a couple Two and a half years, I guess. We'll call it before he was traded back to the Avalanche. But his son, Callan, who had his first career goal against the Nashville Predators, taken 14th overall by the Lightning back in 2017, actually taken eight spots ahead of where his dear old dad was drafted back in 1989 by the Nordiques when he was taken 22nd overall. So big congratulations to Callan Foote on his first career NHL goal, the legacy of Avalanche players. Oh, boy. I say continuing, that just means I'm getting old, but it's good to see all these guys who were legends of the game having their next of kin take part in the league they loved so much. Oh boy, well that was that was a bit of a reality check, wasn't it? Adam Foote's kid plays in the NHL, my goodness. Alright, well on that note, let's get the heck out of here and hope you enjoy your week everybody. Enjoy the Super Bowl on Sunday, please be safe, enjoy responsibly. Hopefully Colorado can pick up eight out of eight points this week as they head 
back home for two and out on the road for two against the Wild and Blues. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Eric underscore Pesolano. You can do so on Instagram as well. Same handle. Follow the podcast at Believe in Avs. That's at B-L-E-A-V in Avs on Twitter. Let us know your thoughts about the week coming up. I want to hear them. We'll talk about it on the show. We will talk to you next Tuesday right here on the Believe in Avalanche podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Talk to you later, everyone. Bye-bye. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.